Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Birth Stories with me, Clemmy Hooper, created by Offscript. I decided really early on before I even had a partner that um, I really wanted children. That became a bit of a focus to kind of find somebody and figure out how I was going to make the babies. I, well, this is going to sound a bit funny, but the day that we consummated the pregnancy, um, I said, this is it, we've done it. And so I just waited two weeks and I was at work one day, I was just sitting at my desk and I said to myself, I'm going to go and um, get a pregnancy test. I was paranoid to take it into my office, so I took it into another random office nearby <laughs> and went into their disabled toilet and um, I took the test and it was positive. And then I went back to that shop and bought three more of three different brands and they were all positive. I didn't have any of the things that you know you see in the movies like the cravings or morning sickness. I don't want to use the word easy, but it was easy, low maintenance. Hello, I'm Clemmie Hooper and welcome to Birth Stories, a podcast where I talk to amazing women about the fascinating and unique ways they had their babies. Today's guest is mother of two, Kathy Camera. Thanks for coming in, Kathy. Thank you for having me. So we've talked a little bit um, in the opening about how you found out you were pregnant. I love the three pregnancy tests. So Kathy, because of your disability, did you have extra appointments and scans? Were you under a specialist team? Um, yeah, so um, I lived in Oxford when I became pregnant. I just saw a midwife um, there, but when I was five months, we moved to Hampshire and then I was introduced to a specialist team. And I think for any achondroplastic woman, that is somebody who has the type of dwarfism that I have, um, you're kind of introduced to a lot of medical professionals quite early on in the pregnancy who dip in and out of your care before and after you have your baby and during and after you ha- having your baby. And just for any listener that doesn't know, can you describe actually what um, the type of dwarfism that you have and what does it mean? Yeah, so I've got achondroplasia, which is the most common form of dwarfism. Um, it means that my arms and legs are much shorter than... Uh, people who don't have it um my muscle tone is a lot weaker and my bone structure is kind of formed differently for example my legs are bowed um my spine is more curved inwards and things like that and is it the same condition that both your children have yeah so when you have um a child and you have achondroplasia and your partner doesn't which was my case um there is a 50 50 chance of your child and any subsequent children having the same condition or not well i guess you were considered high risk from the beginning Mm -hmm. i had lots of scans i had my anti-d injection i had lots of kind of midwife like 
visits, even before the baby was born, just to check I was doing okay. Um, I met a health visitor. So, yeah, there were a lot of appointments. I do remember that. And most of the medical team that I worked with hadn't experienced dealing with an achondroplastic mum before. Um, Really? Although the consultant had. So that was kind of a factor as well in that I was kind of educating them on what to do, even though it was my first time. Really? But And I did that by um, kind of talking to other people with the same condition that I know that have had children and just getting lots of advice and things, which how, I then passed on. How did you find the other women? How, did you go to online? Were there sort of support groups? Um, I grew up as a member of the Restricted Growth Association, which is... Um, that's what it says in the name but um through that I've made lots of friends and contacts who have short stature of varying degrees and types and so I kind of just reached out to a few people I know through that and got some experiences and I realized that everybody's experience was a bit different and a bit individual but there were some key kind of things to look out for like the fact well I already knew this one but the fact that I couldn't have a natural birth um, because it was too risky. Um, and was that a kind of decision from the from the go? Was that yeah, something that said to you quite early on? Yeah, and that's actually the only thing the consultant kind of said as well. He said, I know that you can't have a natural birth um, because um, my structure, in my pelvic structure just wouldn't allow it. It's too narrow. Mm-hmm. So that was the only thing we were just kind of insistent about. And then the rest of it was just kind of learning as I go and things cropped up and I would go and ask my mum friends but because the pregnancy was so easy it wasn't too much of a problem. Mm. Did you do any um, private or state antenatal classes at all? No. You just got all your sort of advice from... I was very because I was like I've wanted a baby since I was a baby (laughs) Um, I I was very kind of pompous about the fact that I was going to be an amazing mum and I didn't need any educating in it. Uh-huh. So I didn't go to anything. I didn't go to NCT. I didn't go to antenatal stuff. And I don't really know why I was like that, but I was just so driven on the baby being delivered healthily and also working as much as I can so I could earn as much as I could before she came. Mm, you didn't focus on it. Which I later realised was a massive <laughs> mistake. <laughs> so you had lots of extra growth scans, I would have thought, um, yes. during your pregnancy. At what stage in your pregnancy did you also know that your daughter would um, have the same condition as you? Very early. Um, I think it was about 20 weeks or a little bit later than that. Her head was um, was bigger from very early on in proportion to the rest of her body and was growing um, at a faster rate. So it was something like the 90th percentile or something, whereas her body would be low um, mm on the on the chart and um and her body would just kind of grow at a very slow rate and her head would grow at a very fast rate so it was very clear but also I um so the night that we consummated our child or we <laughs> conceived her <laughs> conceived her that's it that's yeah. the word I wanted we conceived our child yeah um I said to my partner at the time it's going to be a girl and she's going to be short and um you just had a feeling mm, and, really and he said Oh, you're being silly. Firstly, you're not pregnant, so get out of your head. And, uh, you know, all of this. He just rubbished what I was saying, understandably. But I was very, very convinced of that. And I didn't even... The kind of gender scan 
or whatever they call it. Um, the anomaly scan yeah, for 20 weeks. I wasn't even excited about that because I knew it was a girl. You just knew. And I knew she was short, so I didn't, you know, they were taking all these measurements, loads and stuff, and I just thought, it's fine. She's going to be short. And I just had just really strong feelings about that, and it was really... Um, I've never been that kind of hocus-pocus, premonition person before about anything else. Well, you but were clearly right. <laughs> yeah. So at your 20-week scan, at your anomaly scan, they confirmed that your daughter... They said that they thought that she did, and then a, a later scan, they confirmed it. How did you feel when she was sort of officially diagnosed, I guess? Um, fine. Again, because I'd kind of already accepted it, I think, in just thinking, well, she's got it from early on. And I think that even if she hadn't had dwarfism, like I just think that that was quite a good way for me to process the idea that she might because I accepted it from very early and um, right. and I see my dwarfism as something to celebrate, not as something that is a, at all negative. And also I don't see it as any as something that defines me, so I wouldn't view it as that for her either the only worry I had was if, if she was healthy and that wasn't even really dependent on her dwarfism it was just in general and I also felt that um because I've obviously got the experience of it I felt um like I could handle her I knew what to do and um and others I guess yeah and the society that she'll be born into yeah so I didn't feel too worried about it the only obvious like kind of sad part is looking into the future and thinking about you know the things that people will say in the future and the discrimination that she will face which is just um inevitable no matter who you are um if you're different physically but that's other people's problem not mine so just was like yeah okay and I think um her dad was very kind of from the get-go so accepting and didn't see a problem with my own dwarfism that he was exactly the same about hers he didn't see it as um any kind of barrier to having a good life so knowing throughout your pregnancy that you would have to have an elective section um which obviously had been recommended did you feel that even though that kind of choice was made for you i guess did you still feel that you had some ownership on you know um some people like to have music played in theatre or like skin to skin in theatre. Was there like a discussion with your doctors and a midwife about kind of planning your C-section and your preferences? We were due to go for the discussion about that the week that she was born. Ah, OK. Um, so she arrived two months premature. So we didn't get to do any of that fun planning stage, unfortunately. But it was there in place. Yeah. Had yeah. you needed it. Yeah. And they were very, like, um, I met the surgeon even before I had her. And he was he was brilliant. He was really fun and really <laughs> put me at ease. Um, but, yeah, we didn't get to do any of the planning stuff. Because she came early. Um, tell us about what happened then, because obviously she came earlier than had been planned. Tell us about what happened with the fall. Um so we moved to Hampshire because I got this new job. Um, every morning there was a kind of shuttle bus from the station that we lived close to to my office. And so I would get that, I would walk to the shuttle bus and then get the shuttle bus to my office. And one day um, it had been raining and there was um, 
a kind of steep hill down to where the shuttle bus waited from my house. And so I kind of was walking down this hill and I fell and I'm prone to falling anyway because of my condition and also because I don't really look where I'm going. But um, I, I fell on the hill and the um, shuttle bus driver, who knew me well by this point because he took me every day to work, um, he got out of the bus and lots of people kind of crowded around me and I said, I'm fine, I'm fine. How many weeks pregnant were you at this point? So I was um, 32 weeks and five days. 32 plus five, right. Um, so I got up, but something in me didn't really feel fine and... Um, and the people kind of left and the shop bus driver said, do you want to go to hospital? And I said, I think I do. So he called an ambulance and the ambulance came and I got inside the ambulance and they took all my vitals or whatever and they said, no, you're really fine, you've mm. just had a fall, you know. They said, I'm sure baby's fine, you don't need to go to hospital. Mm. And I said, I really, really would like to, I just really have this strong feeling that um, I would like to check that she's okay. Mm. Um and and so they said okay and so they called the local hospital and they refused to take me and then they called the next nearest hospital which was an hour away and a massive hospital and they also refused to take me so they called back to the original local hospital which was the hospital I was due to give birth in two months later anyway and said well the big hospital has refused so you need to take her because if anything's wrong yeah it's going to be on your heads. Um, and also, it's where you were planning on having your baby anyway. Yeah. And so they said, OK, fine, we'll take her, but there's nothing wrong. And so we picked up my husband on the way from work in the ambulance. and um, That was handy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I went with no no resources, no like hope night back, nothing, because I just thought, we'll just have a scan and then we'll go home. Mm-hmm. And they took me in quite quickly and my consultant wasn't around but his colleague was who I'd met and they they scanned me and then they got him and that's when I knew something was wrong because they made him come mm. to scan me again. The consultant you knew? Yeah. Um, so at first it was just the midwife and then the consultant came to scan um, and he said, well, the baby's breathing but she's not moving mm. and we've been scanning for quite a while now and trying to move her around mm-hmm. but she's not moving at all and her breathing is also very slow and laboured so he said if she was 27 weeks we wouldn't have this conversation but because she's in the safe zone mm-hmm. as he described it where she was more than likely going to survive if they took her out mm. he said that he felt that they should take her out so at that point I just worried for her and her being so premature and also I was kind of vaguely aware that having dwarfism meant that she might have more breathing problems than an average height child and I worried about being so premature like whether she would be able to cope with those breathing problems but um, it all happened very very quickly then and the original person who had said to the ambulance man, I remember this very vividly, don't bring her here, came over and was very apologetic. So oh, really? I'm so sorry I said that to them. It was very clear, you need to be here. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And, um, That's nice and they took me into the operating theatre. And But I was sad that, um, kind of, as you described before, you know, there was no plan in place. And while the surgeon was lovely, and I had luck- luckily met him before, um, 
you know, he just kind of put his own music on. And <laughs> it was it was just very rushed, very, very rushed. Do you remember what was playing? No. No. <laughs> I think it was some kind of classical. It yeah. was very downbeat. We often have Magic FM playing in oh, or smooth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so within two hours of me arriving at the hospital, she was at here, which is a bit crazy. And I just didn't really have time to think about anything, to be scared about the C-section, nothing. It just happened so quickly. Had you packed your bag, though? What happened no, to your nothing. bag? we had no bag. We had nothing. Did your partner have to go home and get it? No, I didn't want him to leave. No. So, especially not that day, because we didn't know what would happen to her, what would happen to me. So my parents, they lived the other side of England, so oh. as soon as we knew that she was going to come out, we rang them. And they started driving. I did that. And then eventually, once they got there, they picked up my bags and um, brought them. So the actual birth was a real blur, but it... Um, did you have a spinal epidural? I had a spinal epidural, and that was tough. <laughs> that was the most painful part, I think, mm. just um, just that injection. Um, and also I was petrified because um, my spine, the vertebrae are really close together and bunched up. Mm. Um, and it's it's not a typical kind of skeletal structure. Yeah. And so it's really worrying that they might not get the right place or, you mm -hmm. know, and I could become paralysed or whatever else. Um, yeah, or you'd have to be put to sleep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but luckily they did, um, they did do it quite quickly. I think it took a couple of goes and then it was okay. I, mean, I felt the rush of the... Of the medicine inside me and everything was fine. Crazy. <laughs> Did you feel really calm? Mm, it was beautiful just feeling that warm rush <laughs> of the medicine. It was whatever it is. Um, it was amazing. And I kind of laid down and I was like, okay, I'm going to be okay. Did you feel safe? Mm, I did feel safe. My husband was really worried just because he hadn't got his head around what was happening. And I guess for him, actually seeing everything as well was quite a shock yeah um, and with any birth i noticed that partner doesn't know what to do and they feel helpless and they can yeah. see more and they're but when it's you and it's your body you can kind of talk yourself into it and be like yeah no this is cool this is fine mm -hmm. was yeah. he there in his scrubs he was there in his <laughs> scrubs and he wouldn't look yeah and i always keep saying to him is everything okay and he was like yeah but looking the other way <laughs> <laughs> and that didn't really help and he was just holding my hand through it mm -hmm. um, and yeah once the surgeon kind of went in and started pulling the baby out I suddenly felt the need to go to the toilet um, oh, no. and they said do you want us to put a tube in so that you can urinate and I said yes so they put a tube in and then I said it's not in properly and they said yeah no it is in you just can't feel it because of the medicine yeah and I said, it's not in properly. Anyway, we had a little fight about it. And then <laughs> and then I pissed all over them. Oh, no! Um, <laughs> in this? <laughs> yes, because it wasn't in properly. Oh, no. And that was just a really icky part of it, I suppose, because I was then lying in my own urine. Oui. And that was really not a nice part of childbirth that I wanted to remember. Oh, no. Um, they were very apologetic about that. So the moment your daughter was born, um, being premature, I would have thought they would have had a neonatologist team in theatre. Yes, they did. So they had like the head neonatal um, nurse and um, 
she came and said hello to me before the birth and everything. She explained what would happen. Mm-hmm. And I was so ignorant as to what neonatal care even was. Mm. I, I didn't even think that that would be something that we would need to go through as a family. And she kind of said to me that when the baby's born, you need to be prepared for the idea that you might not be able to, to touch her. Mm. So when they took her out of my stomach, she took a very long time to make a noise mm. and I was very scared about that. I thought, oh my gosh, why is she taking so long? Yeah. And she'd kind of, um, the umbilical cord had wrapped around her neck twice and she'd gone blue. Right. Which is why she wasn't breathing well in, in my stomach. And they said that that she was just very, very weak mm-hmm. um, and couldn't breathe on her own. So we weren't able to touch her or even be very near her. And they took her straight to neonatal care and put her in an incubator. She had breathing assistance. Her incubator was kind of kept very warm because she wasn't able to regulate her temperature. And we weren't able to touch her for two days. Um, So I healed very quickly, and within two days I was discharged. And on the day that I was discharged, we were allowed to put our fingers in her little incubator and kind of touch her hand. Oh, how did that feel like? That felt really nice. Um, but kind of by that point, I felt quite um, angry at the whole idea that my baby wasn't with me. Mm. And I felt quite disassociated from her. Um, and I felt that that had all been forced. Um, I I only realised later that internally I wasn't really coping very well with this idea of just everything not being the fairy tale I wanted it to be or mm. I planned in my head yeah and that was just really kind of that took a long time for me to process and come out of and get through she was in neonatal care for two months really um so up until almost up until her due date um, when was the first time you were allowed to hold her within a day or so after that and um, we were allowed to hold her just for a very short period of time mm. um And she would come off the breathing apparatus and then be put back on it Mm. and come off. And and there was a lot of kind of toing and froing in terms of regulating her temperature and also regulating her breathing. Um, And I definitely feel that she had a slightly rougher start, possibly because of her dwarfism, possibly because of her situation in my stomach. I'm not sure, but it took her longer I mean, you always compare with other mums and compete, don't you? But always. it took her longer than all the other babies in neonatal care to uh, to regulate her breathing. She just took her time. She took her time. Um, <laughs> so once she eventually started um, having milk, like through a nose tube, mm-hmm. she would very regularly kind of vomit it back up. Mm. Um, so she had it's a quite long common with pregnant babies as well. Yeah, she had a long period of positing and vomiting and. We just had to feed her little and often, little and often. So, yeah, but I was quite, as I said, I was quite angry about the whole thing and it not being like a fairy tale and not being able to take my baby home and all the other parents leaving neonatal quicker than us. Oh, how did that feel? It just didn't... I didn't feel like I had time to bond with my baby and I didn't feel a bond with her for really? a very long time. Until even she came after, home? Even after she came home I was really kind of depressed for about six months Mm. Um, 
for the first six months of her life and then it started kind of getting better after that and I think part of that was exhaustion but part of it was just as I said those early days of not being with her and not feeling like I had much say in how she was looked after and also realising that actually I didn't know all those things I thought I would just know by right of passage of wanting to be a mum I didn't yeah. know I didn't know how often they needed to be fed I didn't know the best way to hold them I didn't even know so many basic things yeah like how to clean them when they're super small and you just use water and I, d I had no idea and because I had no idea I really freaked myself out and mm. worried that I suddenly like my confidence was gone the rug was pulled out from under me yeah and um I just worried so much that I wouldn't be okay as a mum mm. because I didn't have that instinct that I thought I would have. I think with instinct, though, when your baby is well and isn't in neonatal intensive care, you you know, all the things that we know, having skin to skin, having your baby with you all the time, the maternal bond and instinct and hormones help you understand your baby mm. but if your baby's in special care in a completely different place to where you are and you're not there every second of the day and you've got machines doing a lot for your baby and nurses mm. then how can you learn from what to do you know you're and I guess you probably took that kind of passive approach where well the nurse knows what to do so I'll let her do it mm. and I think anyone whose baby's been in, in special care or being cared for um, by a neonatal nurse probably admit they felt the same um, definitely and I also felt an element of like well if I do it are they all going to watch me and then are they going to tell me I'm doing it wrong <laughs> and there was a lot that when we took her home you have to kind of pass through a series of hoops in neonatal <laughs> care that you don't really have when your baby is healthy and they don't go in neonatal so you kind of have to um, you have to wash them and they have to watch it you have oh, to take the baby um, so stressful for a walk and then take them, bring the baby back. You have to have the baby overnight in an overnight room within the unit mm. um, before you can go home. And it's almost like I'm being tested as a parent. Um, <laughs> Such which, an early, early way to be tested as yeah, a parent. Which just was really scary. And I just thought, oh my God, are they testing me because I, I genuinely don't know what I'm doing? But obviously, I mean, the rational part of me is just because it's, She's a sensitive baby. She's at yeah. a very difficult time and she, they need to make sure that she's all right. But, um, but yeah, I just felt like so paranoid that I was being judged all the time and that I wasn't up to standard. So looking back on your actual birth experience, uh, what are your feelings surrounding that time? Um, I just feel like it was really chaotic and not. Um, there's no real emotion there for me. Mm. Um, because it wasn't an emotional experience other than having a bit of fear that she might not be okay. There was no time for me to process anything. There was no time to prepare and for any preferences to get be considered. Um, so as a result, I just kind of feel like it disconnected from that experience. I, and I felt disconnected at the time that it was happening. I didn't really feel like I was there. And I feel disconnected even now as I look back on it. And now that I've had another child where the birthing process was relatively a lot smoother, mm. where I felt like I really had input into it and I was able to kind of 
do it the way I wanted. And I also felt better informed and kind of more self-assured, obviously doing it the second time around. But because I was able to develop that emotional connection with the birth, I have quite fond memories of it. Yeah. Um, Whereas, yeah, with this first one, I just feel like it was, yeah, chaotic Mm. and stressful. You refer to her as being taken out yeah, rather than being delivered, which I think is quite interesting. Because it is taken out when it's a C-section. <laughs> She's still born, I guess. She is still born. <laughs> but it feels like such a surgical procedure. Or oh, that C-section, at least for me, felt like such a surgical procedure. Mm. And very out of my control in every way. Do you think with your second daughter and your second section, she was taken out or was she delivered? Yeah, I probably wouldn't refer to it in the same way. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think I would because it was all, yeah, she lasted till her planned day and it was all on my terms. Mm. So the fall that you had, even though you say that falls are quite common for you because of your disability, you do fall. But obviously falling when you're pregnant is quite scary. Mm. Do you think there was some kind of weird reason why you fell like the fact that you fell and then they actually found out she wasn't actually that well definitely yeah I definitely believe that that whole thing happened for a reason um and after she had been taken out my consultant who wasn't there for the birth but came in later and he actually came especially just to check on me after he found out that I was in he said to me she would not have survived if you had waited until your plan c-section date really how did that make you feel so just so thankful so grateful that i that we'd gone in and that i'd fought to go in and that i'd fallen Um, yeah (laughs) i was just so grateful i guess that is a good example of your even though you didn't feel it after she was born, but already that maternal instinct that you had when you were pregnant, something said to you. I was definitely very in tune with her from the beginning, definitely. And part of the reason I was so insistent to go to the hospital in the ambulance was that that day I hadn't felt her move at all. And while she was a very sleepy baby in general, and I think that that's common with babies who have achondroplasia, now that I've had two and they've both been the same. Really? Um... Although she was very sleepy in general, she had I hadn't felt her move at all that day, and that was rare. And I just thought, no, I should just check that that's okay. Mm. We're going to do a listener question. Someone's emailed in a listener question. Okay. Hi, Clemmy. Quick question. I'm 43 and 16 weeks pregnant with my first child after two miscarriages. I live in Switzerland. I'm being advised that the best option for birth is a C-section because I am high-risk pregnancy because of my age. Is this also what is recommended to older women in the UK? I would prefer to have a natural birth, but obviously don't want to go against professionals' advice and will do what is right for my baby and me. That's from someone called Janie. Um, So some research came out a couple of years ago which showed that there was a tiny increase in um, women having babies who are older and going post their due date and stillbirth. And it's like 0.1 of a percentage, but enough for medical professionals to look at this stat and think, right, what, what can we do? So 
in the UK, um, women who are pregnant over the age of 40 are offered induction at their due date, so at 40 weeks. Now, obviously, in Switzerland, they probably work on different guidelines. So I think her question is, I guess, is a bit connected to your story, Cathy, because you were advised to have a C-section. How would you say, because sometimes it can be quite difficult to just accept if someone's made a decision for you Mm -hmm. and your baby, and how would you kind of advise how to just accept what they're saying is right I don't know and let go of control I guess to be honest for me it was quite easy because I was petrified of a natural birth oh, I were just, you? I'd, I felt like it would be so much more painful and I don't I still don't have the experience of a natural birth so I can't comment mm. but I would say that the recovery of a c-section is quite brutal yeah um I don't know I mean I can't speak for um Janie and her wishes um but I think that medical professionals tend to know best um mm. and um and i think that there'll be probably quite a few things during her pregnancy that they might advise her to do quite strongly and she might feel i'm not sure i want to do that or it's mm. actually against what i want to do um as i did um and there is an element of kind of just feeling like you're not in control and this isn't yours to have um, but there are, I would say that there, there are a lot of aspects of pregnancy that you can have input in. And I feel like in the UK, at least, doctors and nurses and the medical staff, they do do their best to listen to you as much as they can. And they do realise how important it is for you to do the things that you would like to do in order to bond with your baby and be happy about your pregnancy and your birth. I'm not sure. I'm sure it's the same in Switzerland mm. that they realise how important that kind of bonding process is, and and your happiness and your well-being. So I don't know. I would say talk to your doctor more if you're not sure. But ultimately, however that child comes out is a brief period of you then being in love with it for the rest of its life. Yeah, well, that's a really nice reassuring thing to say. If you've got a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast, please email birthstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Kathy, thank you so much for coming on and telling us your birth story. Is there anything else you want to plug? Have you got an Instagram page you want to share? Sure. So I've started an Instagram page called That Single Mum, which talks about me having dwarfism and my two kids having dwarfism as well and just kind of navigating the world as a single parent with a disability and yeah so go and check it out thank you for listening to birth stories with me clemmy hooper remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so that you can listen as soon as the podcast comes out each week and please rate it and leave a review if you have time you can find more birth stories on my blog gas and air and you can find me on instagram at mother of daughters Birth Stories was produced and edited by Hannah Varrell and created by Offscript. Mom. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.